0: Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. What was revealed to you in darkness, revealed it in light. What was whispered into ears, shouted on the rooftops. Good afternoon, church. Good to see you guys. Hope you guys are having a wonderful Sunday today, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us. Uh, joining through youtube live streaming Uh, if you're not a member and you're just a simple visitor uh, we would love to have you here Uh, we would love to um, uh, get to know you Um, if you are able to join us for zoom you could just follow the link below that's available and we can get your contact and whatever questions that you might have we would love to take the time to answer them for you a couple announcements before we begin Uh, Last week we had announced that the the KN95 masks are available for you and your family to pick up from church. I know that when we announced this past Sunday, uh, we said four, but um, since then we made a change. So 12 of these masks are available for you. Uh, Anytime you want to pick them up from church, let me know or let Pastor Tavis know. And we will arrange a pickup time on Sunday right before church and after church so you can still partake in Sunday worship. So let us know if you're in need of any mask. If you can find any use for your family also, we would love to share the ones that we have here with us. On July 14th, and three weeks from today, we will be having our annual membership graduation ceremony. I know June 14th, I'm sorry. um, Given the circumstances, uh, we are... Not anticipating to meet at church on that day, but we would love to see the whole church coming together and, and celebrate just this joyous occasion as 11 of them are, have gone through three month long membership class and now they're being installed as official members of Rooftop Church. What a great occasion. What a celebrate, time to celebrate. So I encourage you guys to come and on that day, we will send out a Zoom invitation and we have something very special prepared for the entire church to partake in. So mark your calendar June 14th and we would love to see everyone joining in that meeting. Um, if you're ready, uh, let's open up our Bibles and church, would you meet me in the book of First Corinthians? Today we're in chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 1 through 5. And this is a reading of God's word. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Amen. Church, would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have given to us. And God, yet again, God, we have this wonderful privilege to sit before, sit under your presence, Lord Father, and God, to be led through reading of your holy scriptures, God. As we are in chapter 14, God, as we are still learning about spiritual gifts, God, we pray that you would open up our minds, more importantly, open up our hearts, so that we may receive all that you have prepared for us. We thank you, God. Holy Spirit, lead us. In all that we do today, God, lead us in this time of learning. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My favorite video game growing up, ever since I was a child, was this game called Bubble Bobble. It's about two uh, dinosaurs, cute two dinosaurs, using bubbles to trap the bad guys and then popping them. And every round, there's a handful of bad guys coming at you, jumping at you, dashing at you, and sometimes throwing flames at you, blowing fire at you, so trying to best you in what you are also trying to do to them. So you have to be very crafty. You have to be able to move very fast, and you have to blow your bubbles fast, and you have to blow your bubbles very far, as the enemies, as, as these guys, are coming from all directions. Now, to help you with the task of catching them and bursting them, you're gifted one item almost every round. Now, there isn't anything that you have to do specially for you to be gifted any of these items. They're just randomly given to you. All you have to do is recognize where in the screen appears and your job is to simply go and get it. Now, when you are gifted with these gifts, different items. Uh, most dominant gifts, are they come in different uh, color, but they're color candies. Yellow candy, blue candy, purple candy, and they also allow you to have shoes, bright red shoes. Some of you guys are getting excited as so you're thinking about the old, good old days where you used to play this wonderful video game, and you don't have to get them. You don't. Sometimes it, it's a risk for you to run towards these uh, helpful items, but you don't have to get them. And if you're very, very skilled, I'm pretty sure it's quite possible, you don't have to get them for you to beat the entire game. You don't necessarily need them, but they're provided for you because with them, it's much easier to advance further into the game. You can run faster. You can shoot your bubbles more, faster, and farther Simply the purpose of these things, these items, is to help you beat the game. Now, what in the world does the game bubble bobble have to do with anything to do with spiritual gifts? Now, according to the scriptures, according to Apostle Paul, in the Bible, it says the spiritual gifts are their endowments, which are given by the Holy Spirit to each believer to help the body in fulfilling its mission. See, now we've been talking about this for the uh, past two, three weeks now. There was a special function and the purpose which God bestowed these spiritual gifts upon the church. The word gift in the Greek language, it is charismata. And the very root of that word gift is the word charis, which conveys that the spiritual gifts are centered in God's grace. Friends, that means that spiritual gifts, the gifts from God, are not earned. It is simply God releasing that gift within you and for you. Now, developing those gifts is different. That is entirely up to us with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. But the giving of the Holy Spirit is simply what? It is unearned. It is a a gift of grace. God determines and God freely gives. There isn't anything that you and I can do. They're simply there for us, available for us to have them and use them for the edification of the body. Now, this is a little different than the spiritual, uh, spiritual gift and the spiritual, uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is, it's a little different. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is mentioned in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is different than the spiritual gifts. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct What do I mean by that? It is a byproduct of you walking by the Spirit and also denying the flesh desires. And as you mature in the Lord, as there is a spiritual growth taking place in your own life and in your heart. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are able to see these spiritual fruits, through the Holy Spirit growing in and through our lives. But now the spiritual gifts are different. You don't play a part at all. They're simply God's gift to you. And we know that the purpose of these gifts is what? Verse 12. We know that they're given for the betterment of the body of Christ. I love what the New Living Translation says. It says a spiritual gift is given by God to each of us so we can help each other. As simple as that. That is the mission and the function of the spiritual gifts. It means that how we measure one's spiritual giftedness is not in our assessment, rather, it is in the application of our gifts for others. Meaning, we, we, we did this a couple of weeks back. We took the time to take the spiritual giftedness test, and we got really excited. We were thankful that we were able to to observe and, and what kind of gifts God has bestowed upon us. We got really excited, we got really happy. But now, according to definition of the spiritual gift, how, how we measure one's giftedness is not in assessment, but it is in the application of our gifts for others. Meaning there is no value in knowing what our spiritual gifts are. There's value only in how we are using them, what? For the purpose of edifying the body. Say your gift set is hospitality. Say that God has given you an amazing spiritual gift of leadership. You're able to govern the body of believers. Say that God has given you with crafty hands. You're now endowed with craftsmanship, mercy, giving, exhortation. Now, the point is not in the discovery of these gifts, But it is in the application, meaning using these spiritual gifts to help each other for the betterment of the spiritual body and the church that you and I belong to. Meaning you now have the responsibility applying all the gifts that God has given to you of the building of the body of Christ. Amen, church? Now, Paul, in the passage that we read today Chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Apostle Paul doubles down on this as well. He talks specifically about speaking in tongues and prophesying. I personally don't believe that Paul's intention or Paul's priority in this passage is to uh, uh, rank these spiritual gifts or rank different spiritual gifts in a hierarchy to convey to us the importance of each gift. But I think rather the purpose of him mentioning these gifts is to convey clearly again why God has indeed given to us, why God bestows upon the church of Christ these spiritual gifts is for the betterment of the body. He says, because one prophesying more directly benefits the body. Make, make no mistake, that's not to say that speaking in tongues does not benefit the body. In this context only, it was being used selfishly. When people were speaking in tongues in the church of Corinth, they were speaking in tongues and they were doing so loudly, they were doing so in public places And when in the presence of many believers or unbelievers and many in the presence of many people that were not endowed with this gift of speaking in tongues and in that brought discouragement and that brought a lot of uh, conflict. But he says, notice what he says in the latter verses, Paul says, but you can speak in tongues if you're able to bring about interpretation. He says, by all means, he's encouraging the church. Be free in speaking in tongues. Again, why the purpose, why he's writing this passage is because he's clarifying the intent of the use of the spiritual gifts. Are you with me so far? Now, in the church that I had grown up in, ever since I was a a high school student, uh, God really had gifted many members. God really had. In fact, it was a youth group. Not even the entire church. It was a youth group. God, God really moved powerfully in our youth groups. And you saw people praying in tongues, people prophesying, gifts of healing, exhortation. Uh, a, a lot of these uh, uh, the spiritual gifts being manifest, it was just so beautiful to see. And now we have this rule in-house as well. You can speak it in tongues, but we were actually discouraged. We we're actually forbidden to speak in tongues in the pulpit. We we're actually discouraged and we were told not to speak it in tongues. But unless there is an interpreter who's able to interpret the tongues that you are, which you are speaking in. In those cases, oh yeah, you better believe it. We certainly did have times where people would be invited to the front. And there would be an interpreter. That was his gift. That was that person's gift. And I remember experiences in my own life as well. I was able to sit uh, in, the, in the presence of just uh, uh, where, where the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully. And I would be able to just listen to, be in the praying in the spirit, would we'll see a friend praying in tongues. I would be able to, under the guidance and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I would be able to, impre- to interpret the prayers that were coming out in a different language. You see, Paul is highlighting, and you must understand Paul's intent on writing this passage. His main goal is this. All spiritual gifts are to be received and used by the church body here. And you know that in verse 40, at the very last verse of this chapter, he says, in orderly manner. And understand that he's addressing a very specific situation where there was a misuse of the spiritual gifts in the body of the church. And I want to remind you. And I'm reminded as I contemplate, as I meditate on this passage, that the misuse and the abuse of the spiritual gifts by no means should discourage us from seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are made available for all of us here. Now, as we read this passage, as we continue to contemplate on this topic of the spiritual giftedness, we ask this important question in understanding the topic of spiritual gifts. How then do I respond to this What should my disposition or what should my attitude be in regards to these amazing gifts which God has made available for the church in Corinth? Now, you may be one asking, well, I have such and such background in my Christian upbringing. Well, the church that I was part of, well, the the doctrine that I understand have grown affinity to do not really convey the use of the Holy Spirit. Now, what should my attitude be concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I want to point to you verse one of this passage here. It says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, it says, you should eagerly desire it, meaning you should long for it, Meaning, there's a time where you pray for it and you wait for it. And I wanted really a clear understanding of this verse. And I wanted to understand, what is Paul really saying? That the the uh, two prepositional words here, very, uh, it could be puzzling here. The word yet and the word but that comes at the very last segment of this particular sentence. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. You see, the English translation of those two words seem, uh, seem to convey uh, somehow and sometimes that convey the notion that these things actually parallel, uh, these things actually compete or contest one another. We understand that Paul is saying pursue love. Why? Because we're coming out of what is conveyed in chapter 13 which love is the highest form in all of the gifts. Love should be the premise of, premise of all the spiritual gifts that are being used in the body of Christ. So I get that. Pursue love. Love is the, is the glue. Love is the foundation upon all of these spiritual gifts rest on. But the word yet and the word but confuse us. So I looked it up in the Greek language. The Greek text it's actually the same word. It's actually the preposition day, which has sometimes a word and. It could be rendered as and. In those two cases, yet, but. So, for me personally, how I interpret, how I discern this passage. I wouldn't necessarily say yet desire, but especially that you may prophesy because it it conveys a notion that they're in competition with one another or that we have to place them in different priorities here. Simply, I will say this. Pursue love. Pursue love, but do not ignore spiritual gifts, especially prophesying because it edifies the body. And Paul is saying, be zealous for it. You earnestly desire for the spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 11 uses the same word, the earnestly desire, the same word. In Romans 12, it renders it as zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 22. Sending Titus, Paul said this show our eagerness to help. There's an element of them, you're being passionate about it, you're going after it. Romans chapter 10 my heart's desire and prayer to God for these Israelites, for them to be saved. You see, it's the same word. Apostle Paul conveys to us that you and I are to desire spiritual gifts. Be zealous for the spiritual gifts that are made available for us. It's in the same context. It's in the same degree which we long for the Spirit of God. We also long for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be bestowed upon all of us. So all of that to clarify. So for Paul, spiritual gifts are useless without love. Now, the greatness of love does not mean that spiritual gifts are useless. In fact, they are very useful. That's what Paul is saying. Now, because it's usefulness, you should absolutely desire it. You should be passionately seeking after the spiritual gifts. Think about all the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians and also in the book of Romans. Gifts of faith, gifts of teaching, prophecy, healing, mercy, exhortation, administration, gift of help, serving, gift of prayer, Paul is saying all of these spiritual gifts that have the power to edify and the power to build up the church, Paul is saying go after them. Seek after them. Hunger after them. I clarified, I clarified earlier the difference between spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I had mentioned that the spiritual gifts are based upon God's giving. Yet it's absolutely true. It is God who determines what kind of gifts we should get. Even still, the Bible teaches us to long for it and seek after it. Now, there is no guarantee, but you seek. You're seeking does not guarantee God giving you those particular gifts. But even still, the Bible encourages us that we should be eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts. Now, uh, sometime last year, when last year's school year began, our son came to us and he conveyed to us his desire that he would like a phone for himself. And he would like a cell phone for him to carry around. And one of the main reasons, the convincing arguments that he used was because his Andrew also had a phone. And his Andrew was using the phone because it was necessary for him to make phone calls for pickup, for drop off, for whatever needs. So that was his main argument. He came to us, mom and dad, I'm in fifth grade. I would love to have a cell phone with me. And he argued, he contended for a little bit uh, the necessity of this, uh, uh, the cell phone in his young life. At that time, he was 10. And shortly after that, he turned 11. And um, so when we heard it, obviously, uh, we are, the short answer was no. I said No way, you're not getting a cell phone. And we determined you absolutely do not need a cell phone. You're only in fifth grade. Whatever you need, mommy and daddy are available, and you don't need it now. And thankfully, he has not really bugged us a lot or since then. So the talk of our 11-year-old son getting a cell phone has kind of died out. But my wife and I, we, we talk about, it. again, not often, but we occasionally talk about as we're planning for his future, we are probably having our uh, uh, plans that when that right time comes, given the con- right context, we probably will make arrangement where, where he will have access to his own phone. You guys with me so far? Now, my son's happiness is not we have to we have to understand his happiness is not contingent on getting the phone or not or when he gets it. Our, our goal is still then for him to be understanding of that he can still get by for him to be thankful as he learns to use it when the right time comes. Now, my happiness as a Christian, as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, it is already complete. Okay. My happiness, my growth even, it's not contingent upon the spiritual gift that I will have or not. My wellness, my health is already happily established. But now, church, look at this. Now, but with the added gift, can it increase my joy? Oh, absolutely. Now, can it increase my usefulness? Now, can it increase my capacity of, in, in a way that I can serve the Lord and I can serve the church? Oh, absolutely, you better believe it. So now, while we are ab- uh, completely content and satisfied in the Lord without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because I know that when I have these spiritual gifts, I can be of even greater use. What, for what? Paul says again, I'm going to go back and repeat that again, for the edification of the body of Christ. And for that reason, Paul says, yeah, you should absolutely desire it. You should pray for it. You should ask God, God, I want it. I need it, God. Use me in the way that you use me for the ministry of the church, God, I can teach me, bestow upon me these gifts and lead me how I can better utilize them. Now let me talk a little bit about the use and the using of the spiritual gifts. You may not be comfortable initially. You may need to experiment experiment a little bit. You must first find out what they do, how they work, and when they are best used. You see, that's all part of the process of discovering and utilizing your spiritual gifts. Now, I I talked to you about the video game Bobo Bobble. Now, you have to understand, these are very helpful items. But you must understand exactly what they do because if you don't know the function and the purpose of each candy or even shoes, it could actually stifle you in playing this game. You have to understand the yellow candy is for what? Blowing a lot of bubbles. Blowing a lot of bubbles. But it has nothing to do with how far they go because that's for the purple candy. Purple candy allows you to what? Blow the bubbles far. Now the blue candy, blue candy allows you to blow the bubbles very fast. But now if you blow the bubbles, a lot of bubbles, but they don't blow fast or they don't blow far, it could be quite useless in some certain context. Now, you want to wear the shoes, but once you, pon- once you wear those shoes, you're going to move very fast. And you would have to learn to what move differently wearing those red shoes. There's a slight learning curve in where you play the game as you are equipped with different, uh, I'm going to say, weapons or gifts. In the same way, it is so important for all the believers that have been endowed by the spiritual gifts that we must understand how they work in conjunction with other spiritual gifts. So this is my advice to you concerning the spiritual gifts, the use of spiritual gifts. I would say, Practice in a safe environment. Practice in a safe environment. I use the word practice because as you practice in using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you're only going to get better. You will have a better dexterity in handling of these different spiritual gifts. Practice in a safe environment. In an environment where there's abounding in love, there's no fear You're not belittled. You're not judged. So there's a safety of the environment which you belong to. And hopefully, that is your home church. So practice in a safe environment. Practice in the context of your own family. Second advice to you, practice in humility. Again, why did the uh, Christians in the Corinthian church get in trouble? Why is Paul even writing this Mentioning this explicit reason to the church because they were proud, because they became arrogant, because they lost sight of the very purpose of these spiritual gifts. So practice these gifts in full of humility. Third, practice often. Understand that these are gifts for you to use. These are gifts given by God for us to use. So, Don't celebrate having the gifts. Discover greater joy of deploying these gifts, utilizing these gifts for the betterment of the body of Christ. And lastly, pray for the Holy Spirit to come because forget not, it is God giving these gifts through the person of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that takes all of these gifts It is the Holy Spirit that leads us as we move in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is He that guides us in this regard. So pray for the Holy Spirit and pray for the Holy Spirit to come because when He comes, the spiritual gifts come as well. I must remind everyone, in talking about spiritual gifts, We must not forget a very important person. It is the Holy Spirit. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's the one releasing these gifts to us. He's the agent who works on behalf of the triune God. He ministers to us. He equips us. He pushes us. He compels us. He launches us on the platforms of various ministries. So we have to remember the importance of his ministry, that he came to us for a very specific purpose. Remember when Jesus came, in the last days when he was still living and he was spending time with the disciples, what did he prophesy? He foreshadowed his death, did he not? And he said, as he was foreshadowing his death, he said, you know what, I'm going to be gone because I came for a very specific purpose which was to die on the cross, but I will one day leave. I will join God in his throne, being seated at the right hand of God's throne. And he says, but I'm going to go, but I'm going to send a special somebody to you. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. And his main job is to what? To walk alongside of you, to, to guide you, to help you. In the same way that I am walking with you guys, That will be the role and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So guess what happened when Jesus finally died on the cross? After three days, he resurrected from the dead. After 40 days of his resurrection, guess what happened? He ascended. And they reminded his followers of the promise that the Holy Spirit would come in the midst of them. Why? So he may help them. So, what did the disciples do? What did all of these followers of Jesus Christ, all these people that crowded him and thronged him, was taught under him? Guess what they did? If you read through the book of Acts, chapter 1, it says they were gathering. They were gathering often, they were longing for God in their midst. And if you read 1, verse 14, it says, they were devoted in prayer. They were devoted in prayer, looking for the Holy Spirit to come in their midst, just like Jesus had promised. Why? Because the Holy Spirit meant that we'd get extra help to help preach the good news of Jesus, to help minister to the church body that was to form eventually. And finally, on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost is a big Jewish holiday uh, related to the holiday of Passover, which was a big deal for all the Jews because it marked the very promise of God that they would be let out of what? Out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. So the Pentecost fell exactly seven weeks after the Passover, meaning 50, uh, 50 days after the Passover, it was a huge celebration. It was a big Jewish holiday, which at that, during that holiday, all of the Jews that were scattered through different regions outside of Israel, they often gathered back. They came back for the celebration of the Pentecost. I'm going to read for you a passage from the book of Acts, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly there came from a heaven a noise a, like, a, a, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other, uh, others' tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now we see the first encounter where we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Guess what, guys? The Spirit of God came down just as Jesus prophesied or Jesus promised them. The Spirit of God came down to empower the church. He came down giving them all kinds of different gifts, gifts of tongues, Gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gift of faith, gift of giving, as we see an explosion of church in chapter, latter portion of chapter two. We see gifts of uh, evangelism, all of these spiritual gifts, so that they may minister to one another. Isn't that cool? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Private prayer language to God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly and with passion. Evangelism. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they praised God. They worshiped God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were deeply convicted of their sins. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went forth in power to serve God in profound ministry. So the whole point of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit of God comes in. The Spirit of God fills us, and the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ goes out. Now we say, what's so special about the spiritual gifts? They're special because as the Spirit of God moves in us, around us, as He fills us, we are being filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ. And now the ministry of the, uh, Jesus Christ goes out through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you see the beautiful connection that's happening here? Isn't that cool? Did you know that today, this Sunday, is actually the day of Pentecost? Today is a day that many people celebrate the day of Pentecost. On this day, according to chapter 2 of the book of Acts, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, which then released various gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of tongues, preaching God's word, teaching God's word, Praise and worship broke out. Healing took place in subsequent chapters. Guys, you and I should pray in the same way that the early church did. Paul encourages us, right? Eagerly desire it. I believe in this church. I believe that when we gather, when we hunger, when we long for the Holy Spirit, why? Because it was out of the love they had for Jesus that had began the longing for the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? It was out of the love and devotion to Jesus Christ that led to what? Pursuit and seeking of the Holy Spirit. So I believe we should pray in the same way that the early church did as they gathered around and as they prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. And what better occasion than on the day that the Pentecost actually took place? So I encourage you as I close this portion of the service, as we end, as we conclude this sermon portion, I encourage you guys, friends, pray for the spiritual gifts. Pray for the gift of tongues, which is the heavenly language of prayer. Pray for God to utter prophetic words through you. Pray for the gift of healing to increase in your life. Pray for the gift of faith so that you may believe without any doubt. Pray for the gift of prophecy so that you may edify the body. Pray for all of these spiritual gifts to take place, to be released in your own life. Amen. Church, let's go into time of prayer. As we are ending our talk on spiritual gifts, let us now take the time as we fix our minds and hearts upon Jesus, as we convey our love and our deep devotion unto Jesus, we pray for the activity and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. Let's do that right now. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for allowing the church to have such precious gifts. Jesus, we understand that your days with us were limited And we are so thankful that you promised us the Holy Spirit in your stead. Oh God, how faithful has you been. How powerful has you been in equipping and releasing the church so that we may minister more powerfully and more effectively. Holy Spirit, we yearn for you today. God, we no no longer... Cast you aside. We no longer ignore you. But Holy Spirit, we invite you. And God, we long for you. So God, we pray so. Now, fill us. Fill this place. Fill this church. Overflow this church with your gifts. We thank you. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus, we pray, amen.